listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 204, White Snake 1987 Part 2. And coming to you from the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. Oh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> um, and coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Healing Elbow Matola. Oh, I like that. You're on the mend? Yeah. I mean... um, <laughs> I went to uh, I it it was last week. It was probably about a week ago. I just woke up and my arm was on fire. Yeah, I think you, I texted you. I think it was the day this. after we recorded, right? Because like we recorded yeah. the next morning. You're like, oh my god, did the show break your elbow? <laughs> and I'm like, this is like this feels horrible. So I went to the the urgent care, and they're just like, you know, do this, do that, like twist your arm this way, like take a few X rays. And they're like, yeah, it's just tendonitis. Your arm is just you know, it's inflamed. Yeah. So, um, so basically like just take a, like put ice on it a lot and, um, take a bunch of a leave. And I'm like, yeah. Um, like how long can you take that for? And like eh, a couple of weeks. And I'm like, eh, I, I mean, I guess it's okay for just a couple of weeks. I mean, we know that that's not good for your stomach. Um, I probably did like one week and I stopped yesterday because that shit just wreaks havoc on your stomach. Oh, really? I don't have that problem yeah. with a leave. I have it with um, uh, ibuprofen. I can't take ibuprofen or aspirin. I have to. Mm. I have to. I have to take a leave. But it's to you know get the whatever you call it the inflammation or whatever down. But it's yeah. like you know I'm taking it easy on lifting things or whatever. So it seems to be helping. So good. Um, I haven't gotten the bill yet, but I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> the, 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 the urgent care bill. I did. I did the physical therapy when I had the tennis elbow, and uh, it, they worked really well. Those are just a few different little exercises, and then um, um, and I'm doing my plantar fasciitis exercise right now during the show. I'm rolling, <laughs> rolling my foot. <laughs> I see you're going like this. You see, I'm like shaking around. I'm not. I don't, I'm not developing some sort of condition. I'm just. Uh, no, I just yeah. thought maybe you were you were grooving to the album before we put yeah, it. Yeah, I'm on. actually. I've got it on in my head phones right now i'm like yeah <laughs> i'm getting warming up <laughs> um so, so why is everything horrible terrible whatever mixed up something over there you know it i guess it's not it could be worse but so this morning <laughs> i woke it was it was so we record on mondays it was very it was a very bad start to the day and start to the week <laughs> so i i got up and i had to i remembered oh before it's the 27th as we're recording this i'm like oh shoot i gotta get my emissions inspected before the end of the month which means before tomorrow so like, crap and i remember <laughs> this last night so i got I, I you know i get everything ready get the kids to school um i took the puppy out and had her do her, her business and then i was like okay i'm going to do the car and I got in my car I drove like towards the luckily not too far from my house and then just everything in my car was like nope it just shut down the get the I, at first I thought I ran out of gas because I pressed on the gas I'm like wait nothing's happening like I, I was I'm actually on my way to the gas station so I'm like shit did I run out of gas and I looked and it said 30 miles still empty so I was like no I'm you know it's low but I'm nowhere in that territory 
And then, but so then I go to stop on the brake. The brake's not working either. And I'm like, well, this isn't good. But it's like Uh working. But if I press really hard and then the power steering wasn't working and I was just like, crap. Like, so I pulled. So I'm at a a four-way stop now. Stopped. And everyone keeps stopping at the four-way stop and waiting for me to go. But I'm not going. So I kept I was just like, no, just go. And they're like, what's oh. wrong with you? Why aren't you going? I was like, I can't. So then I shut my car off. I turned it back on. And I, I was like, oh, it's giving me gas now. So it gave me enough gas to get into the middle of the intersection. And it died again. <laughs> so now I'm in the middle of a four-way stop. Luckily, it's not a particularly busy one. I'm like, well, hopefully this trick works again. I did it one more time. And I got over. To, I pulled over to the side of the road, which is right next to this little convenience store. I'm like, great. Call AAA, do all that. And they're like, oh, we'll be there in 90 minutes. It's like, awesome. This sucks really bad. So then I started, I did it one more time and I got into the entryway to the, the plaza and it stopped. And then I did it one more time and I was able to get into a parking spot. So I said, great. <laughs> Jen picked me up. I came back home. It's like, fantastic. Triple A is on their way. Let's see what's going on. Hopefully, hopefully it's nothing expensive. Like, a, hopefully it's just like, I think, I think it's probably like the battery of their alternator or something's just going bad. So then I get home. Uh, I'm here for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're 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 just doing stuff, and then we hear we hear the siren going, and I'm like, huh? And then they test the the siren the tornado sirens every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. on the dot. Boom, they mm-hmm. test them. So you know, you hear it in the background. You're like, oh, okay. I'm like, huh? But it's not Tuesday, and it's not 10 o'clock. So. <laughs> So there's a tornado. So we grabbed the dog. We ran into the basement and there are tornadoes touching down pretty close to here. So, um, Jeez. so yeah. So then, then I'm in the basement and the, the, it's like a few minutes before the thing's going to expire. And the guy calls me. He's like, Hey, I'm here with your car. You're not here. I was like, it said you're going to be like another hour. He's like, well, I'm here now. And I was like, well, I'm in my basement because of a tornado. And he's like, oh, he's all annoyed. I'm like, <laughs> People around here do not take it very seriously uh, when there's a, they're just like, ah, who cares? People, people be shopping in stores as a tornado warning. Like, ah, don't pay attention to those things. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Wizard of Oz? It's fine. It's you fine. Know, houses are flying in the air and yeah. like people are like living and watching broomsticks go by with witches on them and shit. Yeah. We'll meet some new friends in a colorful new land. What's what's the worst <laughs> that could happen? So, yeah, so that was the start to my day. And then um, then they were like, oh, well, we uh, the, the, the dealership called back. And like, we can't ha- we can't even look at your car until tomorrow. I was like, OK, so I'm not going to work tomorrow. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's um, then I, I it was also after a long night of being awake all night and thunderstorms and all that sort of stuff. So it was a rough start. But you know what? We're here for the for the podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. I've got my hmm. my deep purple podcast mug ready to fill it up with some hot tea. And uh, well, I will. Uh, and because we're doing a White Snake episode again, I am. Or the 87 episode. I'm having another drink tonight, so I, I raise my truly to you. My <laughs> truly, <laughs> I was I was going to ask you if I should bring some red wine, but I was like, you know what? I'm not my st- talking about your stomach. My stomach's not feeling it today, so I was like, <clears throat> maybe, maybe I'll just um, I'll just have some tea. If no, this was I, I, if this was Yorkshire, then it would be right up Coverdale's alley. But unfortunately, it's just like an herbal tea. You know, I joke around and say it's a sissy drink, but I mean, hard seltzer is no joke, man. And, and truly's are good. I don't like White Claw. But I mean, this is like a little over five percent alcohol, and I mean, I, I get a good beer. I get a good buzz off these, and they're very like very low sugar. I always get the margarita mix pack. Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah, so I don't care. You know, I mean, it's just like I was always. You remember what were those? What were those drinks? I used to drink like um, 
I wasn't old enough for like wine coolers when that was a big thing. But like when I started to drink, it was a Zima. Zima. Yeah. You remember that? Yep. No, no, wine that clothes, was, no Bartles and James. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was that was the one where it just like, yeah, can I have a Zima? And like every bartender was like rolled their eyes like <laughs> you could like hear it across <laughs> town like, oh, God, this wimp. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, buddy Scott, he started off on uh, Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> that stuff is r- rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. well i mean we all we all have our things but um yeah so yeah i didn't feel like opening a whole bottle uh tonight seeing as i had one uh last night so anyway um yeah i never tried truly i was, I was never big into white claw like it's something that had like a like a weird artificial taste to it even though i don't think there's any artificial flavors or anything it just tasted like bleh. no they're all very i i found that they're all very different like there's that one um I know that every like, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, companies have their um, their version of the seltzer. But I really like this one. Um, There were a couple of other ones um, that that are just kind of like very um, lightly flavored or whatever. Like White Claw is the most popular, but it's like it is kind of gross. Like (laughs) when you go when you go somewhere um, like I think it was at a we went to uh, my friend. I went to Montreal, went to a, a. a festival because they're always, they love having festivals up there oh, yeah. and um, getting in line to have drinks. And of course they always have the limited selection. So what's the best thing to go with? You're going to go with a mixed drink in a place like that, that has like hundreds, maybe thousands of people there. No, I'm going to get the thing in a can because you can't screw that up. <laughs> yeah. You right? know what you're getting. The only thing they had were like, <laughs> like forties of like, white claw and it was like the black cherry which is the worst flavor and i'm like (laughs) all right if i'm getting drunk tonight i gotta i'm getting two of these because i'm not waiting in line again for another one of these horrible (laughs) drinks (laughs) i have one in my back pocket one in my hand oh but yeah black cherry is the one they always have like at any kind of concert or festival or whatever and it's like the worst flavor it's like ugh terrible yeah, no, no thank you i can't support that but you know what i can support or what you can support is our show if you want to support our show for as little as one dollar a month you can become a patron on patreon our show is a hundred percent listener supported and ad free supported by you wonderful listeners uh you can also leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts to help new people discover the show buy some merch at our etsy store um or like i said become a patron on patreon or paypal as little as one dollar a month we're also on cash app dollar sign dppod and support us on Kofi, who will be the first person to buy us a Kofi? Buy us a Kofi. Um, and um, yeah. So uh, speaking of that, hey oh, we have a new patron, and this one, um, this is uh, an old friend who's uh, who's. Um, who is we've been in conversation with for a while, um, but he uh, just signed up as the patron, and this is uh, Newt Morton Johansson, um, and you know what that means. What do you, what do you what? think that means? What. That's right, another Norwegian patron we really appreciate it not only from norway you know where he's from in norway how's your norwegian uh, geography 
My Norwegian is uh, not so good. My, no- <laughs> My Norwegian is not so good. <laughs> we got to get a clip of, uh, of JLT. <laughs> um, he is from Hell, Norway. This is a pretty cool. Oh, I like that. Uh, pretty cool place. Um, and more importantly than that, uh, the way the way I became in, in contact with him in the first place was he was actually a close personal friend of John Lord, um, which is oh, wow. pretty remarkable. So um, he's also the founder of the Hell's Blues Festival in Hell, Norway. Um, so uh, he's 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 sent me some really cool pictures and a lot of cool information. Uh, he, he signed his. Um, his email, Newt, a hell of a guy, <laughs> which, I, which I would agree with. But a uh, notable thing is he's actually the owner of John Lord's grand piano uh, that he wow. used to have. And so obviously not just a, um, you know, an, an acquaintance of Mr. John Lord. He is the owner of his old piano uh, that that's he awesome. inherited when John Lord passed away. So that's um, really, really cool that that he has that. And he sent me some pictures and um, I'll talk to him. I don't know if he wants me to share them or anything, but um, pretty impressive. And I was like, gives me yet another. I've always wanted to go like t- like t- to Scandinavia in general. So it gives me another reason. I'll be like, hey, Newt, could I just could I peek at the piano from even like like from the hallway or something? If I if I'm in town <laughs> next time, I'm in hell, Norway. Uh, first time I'm in hell. Yeah, the next time you're passing through next time. Yeah, ne- next time, like there's ever been a time. Um, but I've always <laughs> wanted to go. I love the food. I love the just the, the it just looks so beautiful up there. So I've been talking to Jonathan for years about wanting to get out to Sweden too so um it's like we're gonna have to do a scandinavian tour yes um so yes thank you newt really appreciate you um joining us at the the patron level you've you've had given us lots of great um lots of great information and stuff over the years and now you're following that up with um uh, with actually supporting the show so we really appreciate it it's you know when you when you meet these like serious fans, it's like, wow, this is like this is like a legit Deep Purple fan with like super credentials, not just a couple of knuckleheads like us. So when they when they listen to the show, I'm almost nervous. I'm like, oh, no, they're listening to us. But then he's actually supporting it on, as well. It's uh, pretty amazing. Um, and then uh, another um, uh, another. Oh, I should say. Hey, oh, another. This one is a patron upgrade. Guess who's upgrading? Uh, I, I mean, it could be anybody. I know that's that's the that's the exciting part. Who do you think it is? Rich? No, <laughs> not unless his family gives him another check. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're like, no, not him. Um, ah, uh, I don't know the Gardo. No, here I'll give you a hint. That's you you right. couldn't wait to pull that one out. John Mazzelli, <laughs> up to, upgrading to the $3 tier. Thank you so much. Um, we've also got in uh, other patron news, uh, we've been calling him simply Paul. He's changing his, changing his no- name to Lord Longford and in uh, honor of my favorite Mark 2D Purple song. So excited about that. We'll be referring to him as Long Lord Longford, if I can say it, from oh, here boy. on out. This is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. What Lord Longford? Say for you, to, for you to say. I can't. It's gonna be Lord Longford. Um, there you go. Then we also have heyo another Hey-o. patron upgrade. Will Porter increasing from the four pound to the nine pound fifty 
tier. Really wow. appreciate that. And we did have some conversation. He wrote in as soon as he heard the episode where I I postulated that he was also a doctor. He's like, I'm not a doctor. And I was like, okay, you're an honorary. You have an honorary doctorate, a DP, a PhD, PP, I called it. Uh, we're just like, we're just bestowing doctorates on people. Yeah, say, yeah, yeah you're a doctor. It's fine. Yeah, he, he could just have like a, I said, we'll make him a diploma. You could put it on his wall, you know, doctor of, doctor of deep purple podcastery. Um you know, a little asterisk. This, this diploma holds absolutely no value. <laughs> this is not an accredited university. Um, yeah, so it should be really good. And then I got another, uh, lots of interesting stuff this week. Oh, do I still have, do I have this one available? Let's see. Um, oh, crap. I might not have it. I might have to push it till next week. Um, unless I can find it really, really quick. Let's see. Uh, but I got a great thing sent to us by um, uh, by our good friend Norman Weichelbaum. And Hall, Hall of Famer, I'm sorry, I need to give him his, his proper due. Um, Hall of Famer, Norman Weichelbaum. Uh, there it is. <laughs> so he was um, traveling and he was, I got to change this monitor here. He was, I guess, in Hong Kong, he said. Well, where did he say? Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. He was in the Bangkok airport and he came mm-hmm. across this and he said, um, he asked if uh, Blackmore had changed his um changed his business model or has gone, gone into a different business and he sent me this picture. So let me see if I can share it with you. So can you see that? Yeah. Blackmore's fish oil pills, a thousand milligrams. Uh, and there's one with Omega DHA as well. Um, so it must be a, like a, a, um, uh, some sort of new, uh, what do you call these supplement brand uh, in ba- in Bangkok? Oh, Blackmore. I, like <laughs> I like how the bigger one refuses to give you any omegas. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll have, to, I'll, I'll have to remember to put this in the show notes. Um, so Blackmore's fish oil support. Blackmore's fish oil. Yeah, it's support. Well, you know, usually they have like the little disclaimers on those, like supports na- your body's natural immunity. So you have to say like supports your body's natural stubbornness <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, oh. So great stuff. Something so yeah. you take it and you're just like, hey, you know, I have this, this sudden urge to, <laughs> to be difficult and not not go out until dusk. <laughs> I have this, a sudden urge to smash any camera I see. And uh, if if I go somewhere and then people ask me to come back, I'll say that they don't deserve it and then leave. <laughs> exactly. You look like you get that candle in the background or whatever it is. Looks like the Scarabus album cover. Yeah. Anytime I any lamp I have back there makes it look like Scarabus. <laughs> it's not. It's got to be more powerful to light up your hair red from behind. Yes. Um, all right. But so speaking of our patrons coming in at the twenty five dollar uncommon man tier, we have Ovis Nakvi, Purple Maniac. <clears throat> um, at the ten pound good doctor tier, we have Dr. Jill Brees and Dr. Mike Catan. Uh, Will Porter's doctorate is pending. Uh, he has to defend his dissertation, and we'll, <laughs> we'll let you know <laughs> how that goes. Um, the turn it up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Mickelstein, and Heyo! Heyo! Will Porter as our patron upgrade. And at the $10, someone came tier, Ryan M, 
Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of patron activity this week. Really appreciate it. Always love to hear from you guys. Um, one more uh, listener email. Ron writes in, um, and he just kind of has this throws this out there. He says, "Not sure if this is a random or on purpose, but it dawned on me recently that the Battle Rages on album has two songs that are the same exact." names of two of the most iconic Bond girls during Roger Moore's reign, Solitaire from Live and Let Die and Anya uh, from The hmm. Spy Who Loved Me. So I think of those two, though, uh, we've probably established that Anya is the better two of the two. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Solitaire, not so much. Solitaire. Yeah. That's all I remember from that episode. You sung it like Paul, uh, Paul Lind. <laughs> oh, <Crunchy. solitaire. laughs> that's some pig. <laughs> that's that's some song. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think Anya wins out in that uh, in that one mm-hmm. and on the on the pushta. Mm. All right, folks. So, yeah, if you want to check out other like minded podcasts, check out, deep, check out deepdivepodcastnetwork.com for more shows. There's a, there's a live feed of all of our shows that's updated constantly. So, you'll see whatever the latest shows are. Uh, whatever John is guessing on, like 75% of the shows right now. So, if you want to <laughs> I'm check out, all him over out, the place, he's folks. all over the place. He's reviewing Poison albums. He's reviewing Three's Company episodes. He's, you know, he's doing Aerosmith. I mean, he's. I'm I'm coming around to grunge. Come. All right, everybody. Oh, pick yeah, I haven't listened up. to that one yet. I've got to listen. No. Yeah, there's like a follow up to John's grunge appearance. So I got to I got to check that out. Yeah. Will will I or will I not be won over by the grunge playlists? I think I will. Um, I think I've got my uh, my my bets are in already, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I'm right. Um, one over, I would say no. I would say you maybe could would would give in to the fact that maybe it's not as bad as you said it was. But I'm not going to say you were one over. That's my I'm throwing that out there as my guess. You'll have to listen That's, to the Haskin cast podcast to see what John really says. It's Nate's guess is um, knowing me so well for so many years. Um, yeah. I, I won't I won't give anything away, but you're you're in the right ballpark. <laughs> yeah, through your mature through your maturing over the last thirty five years, I think you would be willing to just be like, okay, like you're not as as immediately threatened by grunge as you were thirty five years ago. But um, but I'm not going to say you're yeah you're going to rush out to buy uh, Pearl Jam's ten anytime soon. Yeah, um, that's that is true. So yeah, and uh, interesting, we got a new show on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Uh, it's the show is most of our shows are dedicated to one band. This is dedicated to one album and that album is lulu by lou reed and metallica oh it's boy regarding lulu that should be interesting so i have my thoughts about that album <laughs> if anybody else wants to uh check it out you should i listen the first episode is excellent very well researched um most people have strong feelings about that album and most of them are negative um, I would say I am firmly in that camp and I have not been won over by episode one, but it's very interesting hearing what they are doing uh, with it. And they are not, um, I will say they are not exactly huge fans of the album either. So, but it's not like they're just bashing it. They're not, um, they're not just like just sitting there just making fun of it and or whatever. They're actually giving it a real critical analysis, which I just think is a good take. And I also think better them than me because I don't know how much patience I would have to listen to that whole album. But I guess I'm going to over the course of that show. So excited to listen to more. All right. When we left you last week, we were done with the first side half, whatever you want to call it, of um, White Snake's <clears throat> 1987 album. 
Um, and here we are, uh, the second half um, of the album. I guess if you were listening mm. on record or cassette, this would be the second half. If you were listening Side on two. CD, yeah. this would just be you know part of the the overall program. So 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 um yeah. So I have a I'm kind of kicking myself because I have a couple of thoughts because. I was listening between last week and this week. I was listening only to side one. Okay. Because I want to come in fresh. And of course, like, um, mostly I was listening to bad boys because that's, <laughs> I mean, God, I love that song. The riff is just so heavy. But the one thing that I failed to mention, because we were kind of like talking and sometimes, you know, we go over like a intro part or something like that. We just pass something by. Sure. And like I kept thinking the one thing that I would want to go back and say about that intro is, is that we talk about um, like, we haven't talked much about the lyrics yet, but I feel like, uh, you know, it, it's still Coverdale, but it's like, it's less obvious, you know, than the previous white snake um, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, we always talk about how we, how we so horny all the time. <laughs> yep. And that, that, like that cat call that he does at the beginning of bad boys. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> is like, like, like the, that, like the wolf from the cartoon. He's <laughs> the tongue rolls out and the eyes go. Awooga. He's basically a Tex Avery cartoon <laughs> in that he is so, he is so horny that he is literally baying at the moon at the beginning of this. <laughs> That is like the vocal equivalent of like guitar shredding for the eighties. Like just go, ow, ow, ow. like he's, he finally hit that pinnacle where he just, he couldn't put it into words anymore. So he just started like howling like a wolf in an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. I mean, it happened so early at the beginning of the song that I think we got cat carried away, but you're absolutely right. That is, it is hilarious. Because, because I'm like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, I said, that is just like, I mean, we talk about, you know, when he's singing his lyrics and there was that one time where you're just like, ah, he's so horny, you know, and it's like. Yeah, it's from it was something but, from Slide It In. I can't remember which song, but yeah, probably, yeah, probably some, Slide It In. <laughs> yeah, it was probably the whole album of Slide It In. But anyway, <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, this one is definitely the most, um, I would say the most that he, <laughs> he like, he put it out there and just like a couple of like sounds at the beginning of a song. Um, yeah, you said we talked about uh, Wolf to the Moon. That's like a real Wolf to the Moon there with. Uh, <laughs> that is literally Wolf to the Moon. <laughs> this, this one should have been Wolf to the Moon. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to get that out there before we move on to side two as kind of an addendum to I'm, the. I'm bad glad boys you did. Rating. I'm glad you brought that up because that is, that is a very good uh, observation. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh maybe you should like uh add like <laughs> the sound effect for the uh for the end of the episode of the Tex Avery guy like you know like <laughs> grabbing his tongue and his eyeballs going out and pounding <laughs> <laughs> just panting and like that 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 visual of the tongue just rolling out like a like a carpet like <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. one where like the 40s woman is like she's singing and she's in a dress and he's like He's like, he's doing the thing where he's like whistling and he's pounding on the table and he's going, ah, he's like slapping he's his screaming. butt going, yeah, yeah. That is totally, yeah, that is totally uh, uh, Coverdale in a nutshell. Yeah, is that, he's that wolf or it's a wolf, right? Yeah. It's he's a, a wolf. Yeah. He's a cartoon wolf from the forties. <laughs> 
Something Coverdale's mm. often get accused of, I'm sure. <laughs> Cartoon wolf from the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> well, with that, are we ready to get into the, the next uh, few <laughs> songs here? Oh, I'm more than ready. All right. Well, here we go. So got to get up my U.S. copy here. Here we go. And of course, the first um, track here is, oops, I just screwed it all up. Here we go. Uh, the first track on this part of it is called Give Me All Your Love. This has a very, like, pre-1987 White Snake feel to it. Yes, definitely. I, I think the keyboards are used to really good effect in this song as well. Yeah. Like, they the, blend in really well. Like, it's almost like a John Lordish type quality, but, you know, it's not the Hammond, you know? The patch on it is a bordering on 280s for my liking, but the way it blends in, the production's excellent how it blends in with the guitar. You almost don't notice the keyboard at first. Yeah, but the, the, the songwriting and the performance on this definitely is mirrors like more early White Snake, as you just said. Yep. I could I could hear them Marsdian Marsdi Marsdian Mooden. I could hear Moodian Marsdian Mooden. Marsdian Mooden. Whoops. It was like he's I gotta say John Sykes is winning the pinch harmonic uh champion award for me. You know, obviously really, Zach Wilde yeah, is the person most commonly associated with that and most commonly for overusing it. But no, Sykes he's does the it person most more tastefully. Associated with being annoying with it. And then we just talked about how this is like old school White Snake and this is the most modern solo yeah. on the album so far. I would say the solo does not follow that format. Just hear this being like a slide solo by Moody instead. Oof. Yeah, this is the most out there solo he's done so far. Yeah, it's like a wild horse sounding like <laughs> kind of solo, you know? Guitar solo also reminded me. It reminded me of. I want to say it's like Double Dragon, like the Nintendo game. Like there's like this like. <laughs> it sounded like that kind of like almost MIDI bend. Like it didn't sound. It didn't really sound like a guitar. It sounded like electronic. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I think it's probably the most like um, kind of tricks and what have you that he's thrown into a solo yeah he, he threw in all the stops and then he was like I'm doing yeah, everything trendy. in this solo so just get out of my way yeah
Jeez, man. Nice. You can't, um, I mean, you can say whatever you want about this album or the production or whatever, you, whatever you, direction you thought Whitesnake was going. It's hard to deny the energy so far, especially on that song. Holy crap. Yeah. And that ending yeah, that was, was so powerful. Yeah, that was great. Oof. All right. So where, where am I here? So um, I can't remember if I was doing this between the songs. I guess it doesn't matter. We don't have to be consistent. We can do whatever we want. This is our show. Um, so Coverdale in Metal Hammer UK. Uh, in his own words article that we quoted in the last episode, he has a little bit of a um, little bit to say about every song. And this one's kind of short, but it says this is definitely written for a live set. And it is a song about the lady who is featured in the video. The same lady who appears in the is this love video. So I don't know why he's being all cryptic about it. We know he's talking about Tony Katane, but <laughs> <laughs> the lady who appears in the video. Okay. You know, my wife. <laughs> I don't, well, they weren't married at that point. My soon-to-be wife. I said my fiance. They might have been engaged. I don't know. You're good. Either way. Mm. So there you go. Give me all your love. John, what do you think about that track? I'm going to give it um, all my four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely liked it, but I will say that um, even, though I, even though I like the solo, now that we kind of were listening to it and kind of comparing it to earlier white snake maybe maybe an album let's say a couple of albums earlier kind of feel to it the solo seemed kind of out of place um a little bit i mean uh yeah sykes did pull out all the stops he used all the tricks all of the the 80s uh trendy uh, sounds and uh techniques or whatever um little over the top doesn't mean that it's bad i i mean i like hearing it but i mean it's in a in a song like this especially like after the solo where the dynamics again are he brought the song down to a really kind of low um low tempo low yeah. uh, low volume and everything and then ramped it back up um it, it just it, it seemed kind of uh i don't know uh, uh not to fit in as well and um and I mean he's proven that he can already do some really great melodic stuff. So um uh doesn't hurt my opinion of it though, um, too much because I still think it's really great. Um I love listening to this song. And you're right, you said that the energy in it was undeniable, and it is, it is um, you know, has a has a great energy to it. Uh very, very classic white snake. If you can find that buried under the more 80s production i guess um if you were coming into this thinking like wow this isn't the this is the the birth of the shred white snake or whatever yeah yeah but you could still find those classic elements there yes um i will also give this one a four i really like the energy of the song it's not like the first song i ever think about when i think about white snake but like i said it's just the the production of the and uh, that part where they brought it down the dun, 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 yeah the, the bass drum is just the bass drum and that one note of the bass were just locked in like a hundred percent and it was uh it was really good but yeah I agree hundred percent on the solo it was more it was kind of like a kitchen sink sort of like I'm, I'm every <laughs> trick I have I'm throwing it in it didn't really seem to serve the song it was more just like I'm gonna do every little thing that I know and show off more than more than kind of fitting in with this with the song, which is not what we've heard up until this point. So um that would be my probably only critique about the song would be it would have been cool to have something a little more melodic and a little more fitting. It was kind of like a what's his name? Mark St. John sort of <laughs> gonna just doodly doodly dewey over the whole thing. And then it's one of those things like I wonder 
uh, seeing this live, did he re- did he repeat that or was it just whatever else he could throw in live? Because it seems like one of those solos that would be impossible to repeat because he doesn't even remember what he did um, yeah. while he was showing off. But I mean, I'll give him this one. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's doing not this all over the album. Then it would be different. Yeah, it because, would, but I mean, it would get old quick. And I think that's what some people get wrong is that they just hear the heaviness and the production and kind of how different the energy is in these songs. And they immediately write it off as is like, well, that's metal white snake. And yeah. it's like, I mean, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I still have a trouble figuring I, and I might be wrong, but my impression of the last time I listened to slip of the tongue, that sounded more heavy metal to, to me than even this one does. This sounds like it's, it's hard rock mm-hmm. for sure, but, and I can see the heavy metal elements in it, but, but, you know, I'm also, you know, people call deep purple heavy metal and I don't consider them to be heavy metal no, either. I really don't think it is because I mean, they're like, I mean, I consider this and slip of the tongue sister albums. Um, and because yeah. Steve, I played on it. Um, he is actually, um, very melodic and not, and can be heavy when he yeah. wants to be, but I feel like it's, it's very in line with this album, not to jump ahead too far, but, um, you know, we can make those comparisons when we do review it, but I actually think it would be, you know, um, even, even a little bit more restrained, um, than this one. Yeah. Um, in, in parts. So. Yep. All right. So on to the next one. Next track up is a song called Is This Love? Sounds like Bon Jovi at the beginning there. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that had to have been intentional. I just love how the, the band comes in like that. is such a great song just very mellow very emotional yeah I mean it might be one of Coverdale's best songwriting efforts and the and, and the production and I mean, on you, it's great and I mean if you if you listen to anything that he wrote up until this time, like stuff even that he did on his solo albums. I mean, this is just an updated version of some of the slower or ballady stuff that he's done. Yeah, I think like Time and Again springs to mind. This 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 would be right. I, I could hear this album with obviously much different production on North Winds. And I'd actually be very interested to hear what this would have sounded like if he'd written it in the 70s or early 80s. And really, when you said time and again, you could kind of hear that that melody going through when he goes, is this love your time and again, you know, so it's I actually love the lead guitar. Yeah, it's got like some sort of harmonizer on it. Sounds really cool. But see, now there's an example of Sykes kind of using some of the tricks of the day, but being very melodic with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I mean, we get to the guitar solo. I absolutely love the guitar solo and like the way that he plays it and the tone on his guitar. And I just like, I, it's very of its time that you can hear every single little note being picked out on the guitar and the piano matching it like that. Yeah. I mean, just listen to the way he bends those notes. He's got a great vibrato, too. Now look at that solo compared to the last one he did and tell me the guy doesn't know how I to know, be tasteful it's, it's and the how total, to play. It's a total, total opposite from one extreme to the other. Exactly. And to your point, if he had been doing what he did on the, on the last song throughout this album, he could have ruined the entire album. <laughs> on, on one song, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was worth noting, but if you got to... If he had done that through the whole first side of the album, then you get to the second side and he opens with that, you're like, all right, enough already. <laughs> long fade out here. Well, yeah, you got to have that long fade out so you can everybody enough time to like finish like wrapping up the slow dance before they get off the floor and or clearing the um clearing clear, the roller rink clearing the roller rink yeah roller kingdom <laughs> all right this is the slow skate yeah exactly <laughs> did, did i send you the, the did i send you that video <laughs> of um the video of some some guy at a place called roller kingdom about how like don't do drugs like did i send that to you yeah, I, I think you're dead. Yeah, because it was like, oh, don't do drugs. Come to Roller Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because yeah, the, the town that I grew up in had a a place called Roller Kingdom, and that's where we all would go on the weekends and just you know just you know 12, do drugs. Two, yeah, <laughs> two drugs in the parking lot, and then we go roller skate. Um, <laughs> no, but it is funny though because it would be like we were you know I would say from like ages twelve to like fourteen, you go there and you do the slow skate with the girls and stuff like that, and this would be a song that would be playing for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's funny because it's like we're you know it was it was the eighties, so everyone was just smoking inside. Like the whole place was just smoking. It was like all kids smoking in there. <laughs> <laughs> they just like ah whatever like it it's just hilarious like can you just imagine going into like a restaurant and there being like a like a 14 year old just smoking in the restaurant <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm so happy that they outlawed that whenever they did in restaurants bars clubs like yes my life got god, I, I used better. To, I God, I used to come out of bars and clubs when I was like in my twenties, like smelling like a freaking ashtray, and I hated it. Yeah, I had a um, I had a special uh, 
Remember, like, that futon I had, that old, like, crappy futon? Like, yeah. When I go out, I would, like, I would I, I would sleep on the futon when I got home because I was like, too tired to take a shower. So I'd, like, sleep on the futon because I didn't want to get in my bed and my nice clean sheets just drenched. And so I'd sleep in the futon, wake up the next morning, take a shower, wash the futon. But it was, it was, it was kind of gross. It was just accepted. Like, nobody would ever was like, yeah, this is just, there's, we haven't figured out a better way than this. This is fine. This is how we should live. <laughs> yeah, you know now they now they got vapes and they just blow it in your face and you're like, hmm, cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd rather but not have that either. But it's far. But it might. Be, I don't know. It's it, probably worse for you than cigarettes. It's probably worse for the vapor, but for the for the for the for the bystander, much better. Delightful. I'm like, hmm, bubble gum. <laughs> 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 I'd like to inhale that into my lungs and ruin my life. Um, okay, so um, in Metal Hammer UK, uh, Coverdale right, 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 he says, the concept of that was originally for Tina Turner, and we've talked about this on the show before. You wrote that song kind of with Tina Turner in mind. Um, but the lyric got pretty personal, so I kept it. I didn't write it especially for her. The actual structure of the song was based loosely around a song called Time and Again. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Hey, so, what do you know? That's funny. That's, I didn't read this ahead of time. And um, there you go. Well, look at look at how you picked that up. And I'm like, yeah, I could hear that. Yeah. See, so we didn't know. We did not know everybody. No, I, I didn't know. Um, uh, and so and when I started getting more into the lyric of it, it became a very personal statement. And I decided not to present it to the lady. Maybe one day, but it seems to be kicking substantial arse, as they say. It's at number two at the moment, and another reason that I'm all over the place. Apart from trying to give up smoking, is that I'm waiting, too, on the news to find out whether we've got the number one spot. If we can plant the flag on the top of the mountain after climbing so high, uh, it would be a double treat. The people I work with are confident that this album will be in the top five for the next four or five months. It's doing incredibly well. So look at that. And it even tied in with smoking. <laughs> He's going to quit smoking. So, but I know he didn't quit oh. till a bit later than this. I know I mm. famously not easy to do. All right. So time and again, <laughs> is this <laughs> oh, love? Oh God, here we go. Here we go. Oh boy. Is this um, love? What do you think about this one, John? So I'm kicking it around. I'm like, what do I, what do I give this song? I'm going to have to give it a five. Hey my th- geez, my third five of the of the episode so far of the album. My now, goodness. Now here's why. We're in Aussie okay? territory here. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, but I mean I feel like, you know, Coverdale was at least the vocalist in Deep Purple. So uh him him ascending to the heights should not bother anybody. Well, who was in the top spot before Ozzy? David Coverdale's White Snake. See? Yeah. So there it goes. Anyways. Yes, definitely the fact that it's uh, that it's basically a rewrite or inspired by time and again doesn't hurt. Um, But I mean, this just showcases what a great songwriter that David Coverdale is. Um, I mean, the I keep saying it about these songs that are popular, overplayed, whatever, is that it was popular for a reason, because it's a great song. And I actually never get tired of hearing it. like I, I just really enjoy it because it's it's just I feel like it's something that um when you keep in mind that he kept Tina Turner in mind, I mean, she was huge. Oh yeah. Right? I, I if she recorded this, it probably would have gone as big, if not bigger than this. But the fact that White Snake did it on the heels of 
slided in being like moderately successful and all the problems that came with recording this album and who who knew if they were going to break or whatever, the fact that it became as big as it is, is like phenomenal uh, because this could have easily been one of those, Oh, we wrote it for Tina Turner, but we tried to record it and then it just bombed, which yeah, yeah. it did not because <clears throat> everything from the performances to the, the excellent guitar solo, I mean, like the the tone, the the playing, the way that he just bent his notes and his his vibrato and his his like sense of melody, John Sykes is just shows that he could do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and um, and you know, I think that's why he was great, you know, for this album. Um, but also Coverdale's vocals. Um, not that there's anything particularly, uh, you know, special about them in this song. But I feel like the one of the reasons that he was really different and stood out at this time was is because even though he was 35 around the time of this recording, he had a really mature sounding voice at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he sounded like somebody that was not much older, but much more seasoned. So I oh, mean, back you had then a they would have these... called him a dinosaur for being 35 and doing <laughs> exactly. <this. laughs> but I mean, he had that really bluesy soulful kind of husky sounding voice and around this time that wasn't what you were hearing in pop or even in metal they were like and i mean even though he he hit high notes and he was doing the 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 screams and everything like that um it really wasn't the same because he wasn't relying on that and he wasn't doing that in all those songs like just pick any vocalist of the time and um i think that it really just made him stand out because he he had a lot of soul behind his his singing and his, his vocals. So, and I mean, you know, if the, uh, the way that it sounded, the recording of this album, it sounds like he really worked his ass off to record the vocals to, to get him to sound that good. Because like I've been saying, if, if you told me that he was struggling vocally <clears throat> through this album, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I mean, I think he was kind of past his struggles, but he had, he, if you, yeah, if you told me he was coming out of, this this rough ro- ride he had with his vocals, uh, yeah, I wouldn't believe it either. Although, but yeah. you, like I said in the last episode, you you can tell he's singing differently. Like this is a different approach from him, and he probably had to take that different approach because he might have had some limitations <clears throat> in his vocals that he didn't have before. But a uh, funny funny enough, that leads to him kind of screaming more than he ever did before. Um, mm. So not not where you'd think would be the smartest way to go if you're having uh, if you had previous uh, issues, but. Seem to yeah, work. but so some people will have uh, vocal surgery or go on vocal rest and they'll come back and they'll be better than before or mm-hmm. they will be worse than before. And it's it's kind of like it's kind of like any other surgery, um, although I know that vocalists have struggled with it. It's just like it could go either way. Like you've had some people that tell stories about having vocal nodes removed or vo- mm-hmm. vocal cord surgery or whatever. And it's like, it could be, it's like 50, 50, it's kind of like back yeah. surgery. It's just like, well, you're going to be cured or you're going to blow for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's, it's like, gotta be scary. Luckily for, for Coverdale, uh, this did not seem to affect him negatively at all. No, not at all. Um, I will also give this one a five. Yay. Um, if you had asked me to review this in like the mid nineties, I probably would have given it a one. <laughs> uh, same with oh. here. I go again. Just, I feel, you know, here I am being like kind of a, uh, a, a fanboy here, giving the two biggest hits five so far, but um, uh, I, there's, 
looking at it with more re- looking at it in retrospect, it's easy to see why these two were huge successes. They're they're wonderfully written, wonderfully produced, great songs. Just uh, having the distance of time away from me but like i said all those nights at the roller rink or wherever i mean it didn't have to be the roller rink it could have been anywhere on planet earth you, you were bombarded with the song it was on the ra- i used to listen to the radio like waf which was our local metal station but yeah i used to listen to that to go to bed every night you know it's so like i was always a, so the, <laughs> the number of times i've heard the song is incalculable <laughs> so mm. this ain't here i go again we're just in a way where you just i I don't ever feel like I want to I'm just now at a point where I was like, I feel like I would want to put one of these on and listen to it, um, you know, and that's and when I say now, mm. I mean, like in the last few years, whereas I, I, they were unavoidable for so long. Um, but yeah, it's not a fluke that they both came hits. They're, they're fantastic. And when I read later, m- many years later about the Tina Turner thing, I was like, yeah, I could see that I could really. I could really see that. Uh, the time, the time and again thing is interesting. That's that is probably my all time favorite David Coverdale song, um, and this is mu- much in the same vein. I think. I mean, I like I prefer time and again a little more than this one, but uh, but they're both fives in my opinion. It's it's hard to, I know, it's hard to argue with it. it. It's you can say whatever you want about the production or them being sellouts or whatever, however you want to frame it. At the end of the day, a good song is a good song, and this is just. Beautiful songwriting. I'm sure he's very glad that he recorded. He would have done well if I mean he might have done better if Tina Turner recorded. I don't know, but I think he did he did very well financially from having not only yeah. publishing rights and songwriting rights, but from performance rights as well. And I mean, I think it's kind of a moot point at this, you know, right now, uh, saying that he was a sellout like 36 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like a sellout. It's like You're a sellout. Yeah, I'm sure Get that's over really, it. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Metallica is really reeling from all the people still pissed off about the Black album. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Does that make you upset? Well, we are wealthy mm-hmm. beyond your wildest dreams. So, yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, that's the, but that's the whole point, though. That is the. I it maybe not for everybody, but I mean, anybody in a career in music trying to be successful, that is the point to have to reach as as big of an yeah. audience as possible to make money. That's his job. Right. Um, it, and, and you do that by creating, uh, something that's accessible and memorable. And that's what this song is. And I give, and I give songs a five that I like, I don't skip that I never, that I don't get tired of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get tired of this one anymore. <laughs> there we go. But I certainly did in the past. I could understand. Yes. But I'm kind of that way too. Like if I, I never listen to the radio. Um, I haven't listened to the radio for years and years and years because What's I don't the radio. I, I exactly. I like picking what I'm going to like. If I'll, if I want to listen to this album every day for three months straight, then I'm fine with that. But I just don't like hearing being bombarded with things that where I'm not like curating it myself. It just bothers right. me for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Same. That's how I, you know, I do playlists now or, you know, listen to individual tracks. Yeah, if I'm gonna pl- if it's gonna be overplayed, I'm gonna overplay. Let me overplay it. <laughs> Don't overplay exactly. it for me. Um, okay, so uh, our next track up is a track called "Children of the Night." Love the way he just slides into the these songs all the time. Yeah, just slides down the night. No, this is pretty heavy. 
I'm really hearing a lot yeah. of Zach Wild comparison. I'm, I'm sure, like, No Rest for the Wicked was probably building off of the success of this in its production style a couple years later, a year later, whenever it was. Well, the production on No Rest for the Wicked was a lot more muddy than this, though. The riff, though, is very... It's very Zach. Yeah, I will say, yeah, that that is very... Just has a very driving beat in yeah. the uh, in the verse. Listen to that bass. Yeah, you just got that bass, just like just chugging on one note. Now the bass is going off. Yeah, classic Neil Murray. Yeah. Actually, nice... he's a little more prominent in this song than the others. Yeah, nice snarling tone on his bass, too. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> I mean, this one, it was a little more at home than in yeah. the other song. That solo. I think it was pretty awesome. It sounded like the solo sounded a little distant, though. Like, it didn't seem like it was... It cut through as much as I'd like. Yeah. And it was pushing the boundaries of of insanity. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Uh oh! I could ask Scott what he thinks of that. <laughs> that they are back. <laughs> They're back in town. Yeah, right. I wonder if he threw that in just to be funny because Sykes was in the band. I don't know. I don't know how Scott feels about the boys are back in town. I think he's okay with it, but he doesn't like songs about the boys. We know. <laughs> that line would have killed him in the song. <laughs> I wonder what, what he's using for a bass on this, because it's really...
Well, he kind of doesn't give you a chance to even breathe after that. It's kind of like a Dio style ending. <laughs> Which reminds me of something you hear on a Dio album. Yeah, but now that you now that you said that thing about Zach Wilde and and No Rest for the Wicked, which came out a year later, I can definitely see how he could have been influenced by this song in particular because it's it yeah. sounded very, uh, yeah, very much like uh, a lot of stuff on that album. It's sort of you know you know Miracle Man and you know stuff like that. Um, I, I don't know, it, but Ozzy would have like what would uh, Ozzy would definitely have a song called "Children of the Night." Yeah, um, he might even have a song called "I Know He's Children of the Grave." He might have a yeah. song called "Children of the Night" as well that I'm not aware of. But um, I wonder what it would be about. It would just be like some kind of like you know he'd be all creeping around in the video like in like a <laughs> graveyard you know. <laughs> He'd be like rubbing his hands together like this and smiling at the camera, you know, <laughs> just camming it up. <laughs> Freaking Ozzy. Uh, Children of the Night. What do you think of this one? So. Mm, I I definitely liked it. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a four. All right. Um, I was I was kind of like on the fence. Um, I, I won't give it any higher because even though it's a great riff, it was a little, a little bit repetitive, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because they did, they played the riff so many times um, or came back to it so many times. It was like, it was getting to the point of being overkill. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's a, it's a great riff. It's a heavy driving song. Um, the solo is ridiculous, but I definitely think it in a fits. Good way. Yeah. But it definitely fits in this song very well. Especially. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, calm down. <laughs> Is he getting paid by the note? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting the higher you go? <laughs> the higher you go, the more we give you. Yeah, the higher the note, the closer to God. So <laughs> but um but yeah, definitely um just another uh, just another great song. Yeah. Um I, I wouldn't um you know, definitely not on par with the five songs, but um, just another another strong rocker, you know. I mean, a lot of great riffs on this album. I forgot to read Children of the Night from David Oops. Coverdale, Metal Hammer UK, in his own words article. This is another anthem job. Some of these are arranged purely and simply for live performance, uh, but the sentiments are strong. Over here... Um, I'll be opening the show with bad boys going into children of the night and reprising with bad boys again so that there are fireworks right at the start. If you Mm. listen to the album, it is arranged purely and simply as a kind of studio concert record. And I wonder if he's talking about the U S version or the UK version. They're arranged very differently. Um, It's got all the ball breakers and then the pause for breath and then the ball breakers again. There you go. Breaking balls. Why you got to break my names. balls, David Coverdale? Taking names. Oh. Um, I'm going to give this one a 3.5. Um, I struggle a little with the lyrics. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Eh, I, I get that he's going for an anthem, but to me, that just seems kind of tired. Mm. Um, I, eh. I, to, to me, it seems like the closest thing. I mean, 3.5. It's still good. I mean, you can't deny the energy. You can't deny the playing. It's it's all good. But to me, it's... Uh, 
I don't know. I'm, I have a hard time. You know, are you ready to rock children of the night? It's like he's having like a conversation. Hey, children of the night, are you ready to go? Like, you know, we're getting ready. We're going <laughs> are to the, you ready to go? Get on your shoes. It's like me yelling at my kids. Hey, children of the night. We're going to basketball practice. Children of the night. Let's go. Get in the car. We're going to be late. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be late. Children of the night. That would have been like a, a later song by him. But yeah, I mean, uh, overall, uh, you know, it's a it's a rocking song. It's a good rocker. Yeah, the guitar solo is insane. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a, it's it doesn't speak to me the same way a lot of the other ones on this album have so far. Mm-hmm. All right. So next up, the penultimate track, Straight for the Heart. Very grandiose opening. Nice happy little rocker, Don Airy most likely, hitting those keys in the background. Yeah. That part is really catchy. Stand and deliver in the name of love? Yeah. Yeah, it is a very upbeat, upbeat song. Because you had a ballad, you had a really heavy song, and now this is just really uplifting before the last track. Yep. Just kind of makes you, like, happy. You know, with your fist. (laughs) And we said the last few songs were Don Airy on keyboard, right? I think he does it on most of the album, but I think Here I Go Again, it might be Bill Cuomo. Chimes. Mark Nazi f- action there. Be great if you bust out the flexitone. Every time he says stand and deliver, I just think of the, the movie. <laughs> This song about Edward James Olmos. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why is he laughing? <laughs> it's just like so aggressive. Classic old school white snake ending. Yep. I was just going to say that's the. <laughs> going to drive me insane. There's something funny. Like there's a distinction between drive you crazy and drive you insane. Like driving you crazy is like in the terms of like a love thing. Oh, she drives me crazy. But driving you insane is usually like a bad connotation. Like, oh my God, she's driving me. Oh, my wife, she's driving me insane. You know, like. Yeah. Tony Katane is driving me insane. I guess later she would drive him insane. But um at this point, we're in the driving you crazy point of the relationship. No, it's, it's like uh, something that I think I saw earlier today. It was like all the I wish that I had saved it. It was like all the different iterations of like shit, because if you say like bullshit, then oh, you mean like yeah. that's not true. If you say horse, if horse shit, then that means like it's whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, if you say bat shit, it means crazy, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you say crazy and insane mean the same thing, but not really. Yeah, in this in this case, it's uh, there's there's distinctions. But anyway, what do you think of uh, Straight for the Heart? So Straight for the Heart, I gotta give it. I give it another four. My goodness. Yeah, this um this is another this is another great one. I love hearing this song, especially after the previous two, because you have the ballad, then you have the really kind of heavy rocker. And then you have this one straight for the heart, very kind of like very poppy um, and upbeat. Um, Very, a lot of classic white snake elements in there. Um, Again, just really another melodic song, great performances. Um, And let's not forget, uh, during the solo too. And I could tell you could hear it because like, I could see it on your face that Neil Murray doing a bunch of stuff under the solo. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like some of these songs, you're just like, dun, 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 and then you just like, and then you like get distracted from it. And he's like, and you're like oh, <laughs> he's shit. doing his Neil Murray. He's so <laughs> like, good. Exa- exactly. It's just like, oh, okay. He's playing the root note for a while. And then you like, uh, you're just like, Hey, what's that? And he's like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit better than that. Yeah, just other than me just kind of going yeah, with a my little, tongue. A little bit better. But yeah, um, I mean, God, I mean, has, has there been any song on here that I haven't thought was like um, was like a winner? I don't think so. Not All right. Uh, David Coverdale says in his own words, Uh, Straight to the Heart. This is another related song. It's a cousin of Guilty of Love, and this one track that I was a little disappointed with, but I'm hearing more and more positive reports about it. I felt it was the weakest, but a lot of the press said that Children of the Night was the weakest, but I don't think so. It could have been better. It has come out well, though. So it doesn't sound like he's overly sold on this one either. Um, I think it's great. And I'll give it I'll give it a three point five again. Again, it's a good song. It's got a good good rhythm. It doesn't grab me the same way some of the other ones did, but it's uh it's a solid it's a solid so it's a solid filler track on this album as we get into the as we're getting towards the end for sure, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Speaking of the end, we are there and we are going to close it out with the final track on the US version, which is Don't Turn Away.
love the grand intros on these songs. Yeah. This is definitely a very like play, playing you out sort of thing. Hey, everybody, we're we're wrapping up for the night. Yeah. Get home safe. What's a man like him supposed to do? He just wants to make love to you. I mean, come on. Coverdale is good at writing these kind of farewell sounding songs to his yeah. albums. Yep. Like the the song that's like, all right, this is the this is the end. Yeah. Tip, tip your ya. bartender. You yeah, exactly. Have to, you don't have, you don't have to I go mean, home, the but most you can't stay here sort of situation. We, we wish you well, which is like literally like a yeah. goodbye song. <laughs> it's almost like, are you still here? Listen to this album. It's like the end of uh, Ferris Bueller. Are you still here? <laughs> like, get out of here. Gone. <laughs> I like that. You gotta see if we get the isolated tracks of him doing the wolf howling. <laughs> this is really reminding me of another song, and I can't place it right now. like how they always return to that part yeah it's a good effect It's reminding me of like God gave rock and roll to you. Um, yeah, I can for, see that for, a little bit. For whatever reason, I don't know why.
kind of this cool little ramp up at the end to yeah, I do like end this. it on sort of a frantic note. Sounds like a threat. Coming for you, baby. I mean, I guess it is kind of a threat, but it sounds like a violent threat. I guess it's not a threat from Coverdale. It's a promise. Coming for you, baby. Oh, yeah. That's that's a promise that the ladies are going to want you to keep. (laughs) It's David Coverdale. Coverdale. And then he'll go, Coverdale? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How dare you? I'm sure if we were uh, sexy women, we could get away with calling him Coverdale, but we are not quite as alluring as 1987 Tawny Katane, despite the rumors. Or 1987 chicks in general. Or 1987 anybody, really. We're not alluring, (laughs) period. Um, All right, so don't turn away. What are you going to give this one? Um, I'll give this one another four. My goodness. All I right. think it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a great closing track. I love the way that they um, always kind of return to that kind of grand sounding intro to like break up the song. Um, I, I really like the solo. Um, I feel like it sounds really accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I don't know. It's just like, it feels like there's a, I mean, they're all good. Um, I would say like 90% of the solos on this are, are like great on the, the album, but this one sounds accessible. Like you can kind of distinguish like the beginning, the middle, the end. It's almost like you can, you can kind of hum along with it. Um, and one thing that I noticed here, which, you know, I noticed on the whole album is, is that like, I, I feel like the, the lyrics have matured a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. Okay. Now I get that. <laughs> That it's like, that's that term is relative here. Like, uh, you know, children of the night and like other things like, oh, I'm coming for your babe, you know, or just yeah. like that's <laughs> typical Coverdale. But it's just like most of these other albums are just like almost like him blatantly being like, oh, I'm going to motorboat your titties, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> and I just. <laughs> I just I just feel like I feel like he's not as obvious on this album. I feel like the uh, the 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 lyrics have kind of shifted a little bit on this album to maybe being like the same content, but maybe a little more subtle Mm -hmm. um, in in a lot of places. But um, but yeah, anyways, um, I I, and I, I love the way that the 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 uh, the song ended. It kind of took that turn and then it just kind of faded out on that you know, almost like you had that journey, like it were just fading out and into the, into the distance. And I think it was a great way to, to end the album, you know, very, very poppy. Yeah. Um, very kind of, um, like I said, he's great at writing a, this is the end of the album song. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give it another 3.5. 3.5 is a good. I, I know <laughs> he's shaking his head folks, but um, <laughs> you know, I think it looks like it's a worse rating than it. 3.5 means it's a really good song. You know, know, like I I like it a lot and four means it's a great song and five means it's one of my favorite songs. You know, it's, it's a favorite. So, um, I do really like it. I like the closing of this album. I just think it's, it's, it's tough to match the, for me, 
uh, the intensity and the, the the scores throughout the rest of the album. So, um, so this is a rare one. We only agreed on two tracks um, uh, as far as our ratings go, but, mm. um, but Hey, uh, while John um, stumbles and fumbles with the spreadsheet uh, to, to go over our final our rankings here, um, we have to do something, something very important. That is of course, to um, thank our core level patrons. Coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader and Richard Fusey. At the $6.99 New Nice Price tier, we have Fielding Fowler. At the episode $6.66 tier, we have Kenny Wymore. At the $5.99 The Nice Price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, Carl Helberg. At the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Zwopper the Electric Alchemist and Newt Morton Johansson. And coming in at the $5 Moneylender tier, we have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, and Cynthia Doobie. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, so you know what time it is. I can't I can't do it is it different did I change it I can't remember if I even changed that was the one I was hoping you were gonna play today (laughs) I can't deal with it I can't deal with it anymore it gets me every time (laughs) hey you yeah you you recorded it (laughs) I know I have nobody to blame but myself I recorded it and then I had to go back and change it I just can't I can't deal with it all right so John how does Whitesnake 1987 stack up in the album spreadsheet it is very high, my friend. I'd um, like to think mostly because of me, but <laughs> our variance isn't as big as I would have thought. No, it's not actually. It's a eight point five um, point two eight percent uh, variance between us. I rated it higher naturally because I gave it more fours and fives, uh, but you weren't that far behind. Um, in the it's it's in like definitely in the uh, the the upper like I would say quarter of our ratings um, nestled between the wizards convention and long live rock and roll mm-hmm. um, company. However, tied uh, with, uh, sorry, two other albums. So the wizards convention and perfect strangers all got the same rating from us. Wow. All um, solid albums. And um, yes. And it's um, should mention that uh, Coverdale was on wizards convention. Uh-huh. Um, and the other albums above this is, um, um, of course, if you keep going up, it's not too far up to the tops of our ratings, but you may as well. We got the Wizards Convention, Perfect Strangers, Jesus Christ Superstar, Rainbow Rising, White Snake, yep. um, California Jam, which we don't really count as the album, but Coverdale's on that. Yeah, we kind of um, stopped ranking live albums after yeah. that. So. Still, but still, um, it's, it's grandfathered in the spreadsheet. Right. And then Blizzard and Diary, um, which it's, um, yeah, it's nice to see, uh, you know, David Coverdale, um, uh, Don Airy, um, all in the, you know, the, the 
top of our our lists here, our rankings. Um, I like I was going in honestly not knowing how high this was going to rank, just because you know this is the the eighty seven White Snake album. Like I, I know how I feel about it, but sitting down and listening to the songs, I didn't think that I was going to rate all of them that highly, and I certainly didn't think you were going to rate them that even even as highly as you did. But um, I surprised myself. Yeah. So um, yeah, it just goes to show that. Uh, a snake of any other color, uh, however you et finish cetera, that, I don't know, <laughs> et cetera, and so forth, and to herewith, and so but on. I'm interested. That it's interesting <laughs> that it beats it. You know, if you go down five, six, seven spots or whatever, you get slided in the UK release, um, which we loved, which we loved, and it, but the difference is, you know, eight point three versus an eight point five. So the, that this is how kind of on a razor's edge it is when you look at where things rank and you say oh my god how could you rank that so much higher this well things aren't ranked that much higher i mean everything we have to go down what uh, 30 spots till we get out of the eights you know an eight is a super high rate ranking for an album so um, but i feel like if you look if you look below these though it's it's very interesting because right beneath long live rock and roll is stormbringer come taste the band burn mm-hmm. Um, then you have Green Bullfrog, Butterfly Ball, Slide It In. Like you basically have all the White Snake albums like clustered like right yeah. there. So I mean, I mean that just we like David Coverdale, I guess is what you do. <laughs> yeah, we like Coverdale a little bit. Yeah, but then you go above that and it's like it's you know Rainbow and Perfect Strangers and all that. So we also like Richie and Ian Gillen. So imagine that oh, yeah. the, the guys at the Deep Purple podcast they like a lot of Deep Purple guys. Mm, what so do you know? Unbelievable. What do you know? Um, so, and right now, yeah, yeah, our, so. our lowest ranked album only gets a, gets a 4.93. Um, so, um, yeah. and of course it is a war horse album. Um, all right. That's what I have to say about war horse. That's what you have to say. about. They're getting mentioned way more often on this show than they should be. <laughs> That's the, as the butt of a joke, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. So, Interesting. Uh, the the charts, uh, looking at where this ends up in the charts, there's tons of information. So I'll put a link in the show notes, as I always do. Uh, the chart positions, the peak positions across um, countries. Uh, this ranked the highest in the U.S. It was number two. New Zealand was number two. Finland, number three. UK number eight. So it never hit the number one album spot, but it got some really, really high rankings in many Close. different countries. Um, the year end position. So it, it, it was the 16th best selling album in 1987 in the U S um, mm, I, I wish there was like bad. a link to show what all the top selling album shorts out there, but uh, what the, what the 15 albums that beat it out were, but I feel like 87 was a big year. Like there well, would have been a lot of, a lot of competition, heavy, yeah. heavy hitters that that year for sure. Um, and then, of course, you know this this album came out in in March, so uh, in late March, so it could have been, you know, some bigger albums that came out a couple months would have had a, the benefit of having a couple other months ahead of them uh, to sell. Um, certifications, it sold eight million copies in the U.S. and only three hundred thousand in the U.K. It's a huge hmm. discrepancy. Well, uh, five, that's that's really weird that um, 
they were so big in the UK before and then it flipped. But maybe I think a lot of people style, were like, oh, this is a betrayal. It's not, this, this isn't yeah, my white snake. Yeah, the stylistic change. Yeah, exactly. So it was a complete opposite. The stylistic change, like this definitely appealed to American audiences much more. Yeah. I mean, if you could have like, if you could have measured like old school metalheads as a country, then like the, the success of the black album would have been terrible. But looking at the actual an actual country <laughs> did very well, but you know, yeah. if they all separated out as their own country, maybe they bought copies to burn or whatever, but, um, uh, clearly the album did well. Um, so yeah, but eight times platinum in the U S huge, huge, uh, sales. Um, I can't believe that 300,000 in the UK it's well, it's still, it's considered platinum. It says in the <clears> UK, <throat> hmm. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it just, I don't know. Your could answer that question better than that I would, but I just don't really know. Um, I don't know. It's uh, some accolades. Rolling Stone ranked it number 12 on the 50 greatest hair metal albums of all time. Uh, Guitar World put it in their top 20 hair metals of, metal albums of all time, but it wasn't ranked. Ultimate Classic Rock, number 9, 30 glam, he- glam metal albums. Loudwire, top 30 metal, he- hair metal albums, Twelve number 12. Jeez, metal. Nate. I know, I know. I'm just like tripping all <laughs> Sorry, guys. Metal Rules, top 50 glam metal albums. All of these top 30 glam hair metal, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, a lot of, uh, a lot of rankings there. Um, pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And then, uh, well, I guess, you know what? Before we go on to the next stuff, um, maybe there's something we should do. Merchandising. Merchandising. Come. I'll show you. Open up this door. All right. So our good friend Jeff Bryce sent over a ton of really, really good stuff. Of course, I got to change my monitor back over here. But um, he, he sent he sent a, his normal treasure trove of great uh, stuff to share here. Um, so here we go. Um, let me open this back up. Sorry, I'm fumbling around. I'm fumbling with the spreadsheet myself. So this first item is an autographed copy of the 87 album that he has signed by David Coverdale. Um, Obviously who else would autograph it? Um, So really good. And Jeff said, what do you say about this one? Um, He says, uh, I got this personally signed by David when the album was new. He was happy that there already were some fans in the States, especially ones who are familiar with the North winds and earlier white snake. He was really nice guy to chat with. So pretty cool. That's a pretty nice thing to have in your collection. Um, Looks like it's still in great shape. I know it looks like it's like mint condition. Like Jeff Bryce lives in a deep purple museum. I mean, (laughs) anything you can think of, he's got, um, uh, this is the white snake. Is this love single? Oh, picture covered it. There's a little picture disc. So that's like, that's the actual record. So that's got to be, what did he say about this one? Um, shaped record that comes with a cardboard stand to display it on. The record is unplayable. So there's an added seven inch for the turntable. <laughs> I wonder, like, did they like manufacture it? And like, oh, this is going to be so cool. It's like, oh shit, it doesn't work. All right, I'll well, just throw in another one that actually works. <laughs> oh God. But that's, that's a nice little piece there. Um, this is a white snake, uh, seven inch white vinyl. Oh, that's nice. This is a UK version. It looks beautiful. It doesn't even look like it has any grooves on it. Maybe that no. one doesn't play either. <laughs> Here's a black one that plays. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This is another picture disc that's got like it's just a, basically a close up of that white that new White Snake logo. Um, this is the 12 inch double poster edition, which has already got the new lineup change. It's got Rudy Sarzo, Adrian Vandenberg, and uh, Vivian Campbell on the back there. Um, pretty cool in all their glammed out glory. Mm-hmm. And this has Standing in the Shadows and Need Your Love So Bad on the, uh, is that the B side or I don't know. Um, White Snake is this love Coverdale with what is he even wearing? It looks like he like it looks like he hasn't. <laughs> it looks like he didn't finish putting on that jacket, and then like, all right, we gotta take the picture now. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, like he's his arm doesn't even look like it's through the sleeve. And then years later, they're just like, hey, can you photograph Glenn Hughes's Christmas album cover? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy that's just like you did. Ah, so- we don't have time. Click. <laughs> you didn't. You did such a good job on the "Is This Love." Uh, what I want you to do is break into Glenn Hughes's house, wait for him to come around the corner, and then take his picture. <laughs> <laughs> we got a, we got a copy of his keys for you right here. <laughs> we think this is gonna be a great album cover. Wait, does he have a gun? No, I don't think he has any guns. He should be fine. Um, uh, <laughs> and there's a, a teased out peroxide blonde uh, Coverdale on the other yeah. side of the album there. Um. Have some pictures of this stuff. This is like an interesting, different sort of logo. White snake. Here I go again. Single. Um, it's just got this like weird looking snake. It's not really a white snake snake, but yeah. kind of interesting. Um, is this love? But kind of the Gaelic font, so it looks like it says, "Is this Lau?" <laughs> Maxi single again with the same kind of uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Aldridge and Rudy Sarzo and all those guys. Um. Yeah, some really good stuff. This, these are some articles from uh, Darker Than Blue that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, it's a picture of Tony Katane and David Coverdale. Um, and then because it's like the the Deep Purple magazine, they've got like a little bit of a White Snake Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 4, like a little rundown of the history before we get to um, 1987 album. So we talk about all the marks with Deep Purple, but obviously um, Coverdale was already on Mark 7 by 1987. So in less than 10 years, they'd, they'd gotten to where Deep Purple took almost 50 to get to. Jeez. Um, so yeah, cool stuff. Um, yeah. And then, uh, we have some reviews. So this one, I, I, I have so many reviews. I don't think we'll even get to half of them, but, um, I narrowed it down to the top and I'll put them all in the show notes. Like I said, York sent me so much stuff. I've got the top 35 reviews pulled up here. We'll, won't read every word of every one, but maybe gloss through some of them. But I think it's really interesting seeing where the press was on this album going from, you know, the, how the UK outlets ranked it versus how the US outlets and everything. Uh, but this mm-hmm. one from Darker Than Blue, the Simon Robinson uh, Deep Purple magazine. Uh, this one is not written by Simon, but by Michael Kearns. Um, it says darker. Uh, it says, uh, like Gary Moore's band or Blizzard of Oz, Whitesnake are now a replaceable backing band. But this album was written while they were still a proper group. While I think it's probably my favorite by them to date, it still contains too many fillers. Still of the Night is the best track, even if it does rip off Led Zeppelin's rock and roll. And you're going to have to get used to it. John's rolling his eyes. <laughs> There's going to be a, a lot of Led Zeppelin references coming at you in the next little bit. <laughs> um, it's a, okay. It's a new direction for them and a much more adventurous effort than many. 
I was surprised it did so well as a single, too, as it's so long and unlike normal fodder. Bad Boys is a rabble-rouser. Give Me All Your Love is a real filler. It could be any of on any of their albums. Looking for Love is great. Slow with mournful lyrics. It's got great vocals. On side two, we get the redone Crying in the Rain. I prefer the original on Saints and Sinners. This lacks atmosphere. Is This Love strikes me as being soppy rather than emotional. The remainder of the album is rarely above average. Straight from the heart sounds recycled and Don't Turn Away comes out of it as well. On the singles here, I go 87 is very like the original. I don't see why they are bothered. Well, <laughs> I think uh, I think they proved you wrong on that one. Um, in all, some of the some uh, in all some of the tracks are among the best he's done, but too many are substandard. I would appreciate some variation in the subject matter, most of it being to do with horizontal pursuits as ever. However, it has prompted me to go back into their albums again, though the chance of him ever doing that definitive LP seemed to be disappearing. So um, that is his opinion, but um, clearly if he's saying that David Coverdale is yet to do his definitive EP or LP, I think he's wrong on that one. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. If this isn't definitive, his definitive work, I don't know what is. Um, yeah, and then we've got... Like I said, a million articles here. Um, I'll breeze through some of these and see what we got. So this one is uh, from Kerrang! Cover Plus. Um, Whitesnake lead vocalist David Coverdale, Pictured Right, will be issuing a long-awaited new album. So this is kind of the intro into before it was released. Um, then we've got... This one I just pulled because it was funny. It was this was from Smash Hits, and it has like a picture of Gillen, the band, and then White Snake below. An old picture of White Snake, like nineteen, well, pre John Lord White Snake. Jeez. Um, and it says Gillen, old daughters up at top. You know, old. This is Gillen when he was like thirty two or 33 um, old stalwart Ian Gillen once deep purple singer formed his own band Gillen with bald bass player John McCoy <laughs> okay what does that have to do with anything and then not so quite old stalwart David Coverdale also once deep purple singer formed his own band I don't know what this is in reference to um, with Harry John Sykes <laughs> <laughs> well this is pre this is like an old school picture it's got like Pete Solly and uh, mm. and Mickey Moody and all them so yeah with with sus- mm. With suspenders wearing Bernie Marsden. <laughs> Bernie Marsden of Orc. <laughs> suspenders wearing. <laughs> yeah, this is. Um, okay, this one, Kerrang. It says, Bring me the head of David. It said, Oh, Dave, you've really gone and done it now, mate. Three years we've been waiting for this album, and what do we get? Two decent tracks, two reruns of old songs, and very a uh, bunch of very average, very ordinary fillers. Mm. This should have been an album of ball-breaking vengeance, dramatically unmasking the needle-sharp fangs of the new look, snake and blasting away the cobwebs with jets of venom. Instead, it's an album laced with disappointments, showing the old reptile have all the menace of a toothless adder. So it's a classic uh, Kerrang! writing it goes into a a rundown of all the songs i'll put the link in the in the show notes but obviously you kind of get the gist it finishes up with um add another shame is that white snake isn't the album to uh, restore david coverdale to his rightful position at the top of the tree in the recent times of wimpy bleedings from stephen Percy, john bon jovi joey tempest at all the lung busting roar of classic coverdale has much uh, has been much missed i can tell you but after living with this album for over a week, I still can't summon the enthusiasm for an appropriate welcome. So that's how it's being received in the 
UK in Kerrang. Mm. Um, and then more from Kerrang, Crusher Jewel. He, his review is blah, blah, Led Zeppelin, blah, 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 Night Flight from Physical Graffiti album, blah, blah, whole lot of love, blah, blah, Beastie Boys rubbish. I don't know what Beastie Boys <laughs> means. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Beastie Boys. You at least have to admit there's more of a Led Zeppelin connection than a Beastie Boys connection. I'll give him that. Uh, Doc Doom uh, writes, uh, so this is what comes out of Coverdale's pillowcase after three years. Dullsville, Zep references that don't connect mismatched production techniques and overall an inauspicious return for Whitesnake. So let's see. Mismatched production techniques. Now we get a U.S. publication, Billboard. Snakebite, make no mistake, Whitesnake's new eponymous Geffen album is unquestionably the finest hard rock package in a long, long time. So this is the difference between what the U.S. is, you know, is who is basically, for a lot, a large portion of it, discovering Whitesnake for the first time. This is the difference between their take on it and what the, uh, the U.K. has to say. Um uh, says, though many critics would doubtlessly avoid gushing praise on such an album, well, that's their we're so damn hip we don't know what we're supposed to do to like loss on the beat won't be held back. And um, then, of course, the, the one thing the U.S. and the U.K. agree on is the Zeppelin <laughs> references the still of the night. Um, although, I mean, I can understand it was still of the night. I don't really hear it on anything else. Mm. Um, so it says Whitesnake could be a massive selling album. So there's an understatement. Um this is from Metal Hammer, the one that had all the all the uh, information from Coverdale. So it says, uh, and on the eighth day, he made an album and it was a bloody good one. But it was written that he would sack his band and return to day one. And he did uh, goes through the whole album. Um, uh, it's pretty complimentary. And then at the end, it just says six. Harry, Dor- I love like so many of these publications will just put like a number at the end. And I'm like, I don't know. Is it six out of six? Is it six out of ten? Based on how he's talking about it, uh, it seems like it, it. he likes it a lot. But I don't know what their scale is. Mm. Um, <laughs> six out of seven. Oh. <laughs> it's a weird. Um, this is a, yeah, the weirdest number scale you can think of. This one. Why did I put this one in? Uh, it's just about the White Snake single, uh, Year of the Snake. This one is from Sounds. Um, White Snake. It looks like four stars. Since White Snake's last album, 1984's "Ahem," slide it in. <laughs> I hate when they do that. Ahem. Ahem. You know, I hate when people write that because it's like uh, you're. If you were talking, I would get it, but like, don't write that. Um, there's been a bloody revolution which should have been recognized by now new gods have risen new sounds have blown the speakers and the HM rule book rewritten I assume they mean heavy metal so just where do the old dogs stand nowadays they go through some stuff White Snake have kicked back with a record of classic corny but epic rock and could possibly find themselves in the ironic position of being just what the people want after three odd years of thrash oriented decibels so it says White Snake survives in the suburb metal sheen of John Sykes' guitar, the unmistakable solid elegance of Coverdale's voice, and enough good tunes to keep the snapping jaws of the pushy new metal speed kings at bay for how long is anyone's guess. So four stars, pretty good review. I guess it's out of five. Um, David Coverdale takes uh, White Snake to, to new heights. It's funny looking in these... Uh, Articles when they when they do a roundup of a bunch of stuff, because it's like you see Peter Cetera, Bon Jovi, Peter Gabriel, XTC, all the stuff that's kind of coming out at this time. 
Um, this one is Smash Hits. Okay. Smash Hits must be a UK publication. It says Blue Gusting Screecheroonies is <laughs> the opening. Blue Gusting. I don't know what that means. This album is rather noisy and very boring, too. Still almost the crashing blur of nine monstrous rackets about foxy rock and roll chicks. Bad Boys and Lurvin in the Streets are two almost likable ballads. Still of the Night, still a little noisy and straight for the heart, sung in a Van Halen-esque type manner and embarrassingly catchy. Nevertheless, such good efforts are eventually spoilt by the savage bursts of soar-away guitar breaks, which seem to go on for several centuries. Harder than Bon Jovi, yet more glamorous than Motorhead, Chief Snake David Coverdale certainly knows how to turn out the type of racket which may yet inspire you to pick up that invisible guitar and strut your stuff. Four out of ten. Oof. Miss jo- Josephine Collins did not care for the album. Guess Blue not. gusting screecheroonies. What the hell? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Screecheroonies. I guess too many. I guess it's referring to Sykes's guitar solos as screecheroonies. Mm. I, I like that. Um, I don't even know what publication this this is. Uh, that's not. That's too too short to even bother with. Um, another unfavorable review by John Quayle in the observer reporter goes through a lot of the history of white snake then gets to the album and ends with white snake has a very a very viable sound and at times versatile they are attempting to reach the segment of buyers that dwindles each year few bands other than van halen and bon jovi are attracting attention by playing metal although the genre is dying a slow death before it passes from view altogether white snake deserves to be heard Two and a half stars. <laughs> Seems like a low rating, but um, right. I don't know. Maybe it's out of three. Who knows? But it seems it seems uh, more more uh, favorable than that ranking would suggest. This is Ard Shock America. <laughs> the uh, the review begins with "fuck yeah." <laughs> so it's, it's, All right, I, I like that. I, I don't know. I don't. Do we even need to read anything else? We'll put it in the show notes. I mean, that's pretty nah, much. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. And it ends with find yourself a copy of the new David Coverdale's White Snake. You'll be glad you did. So there you go. Billboard magazine. Make no mistake. Wait, didn't we do this one? No. Make no mistake. White Snake's new eponymous Geffen album is unquestionably the finest. Yeah, we did that one already. Uh, maybe they're just re- rehashing it. Maybe. Um, I want to get to the. This one is. I want to get to the one that's. Uh, a publication we often uh, are not fans of. So this one says metal, no apology. This is from the Los Angeles times, white snake Geffen forget speed melody and glam metal with white snakes. First album in three years, singer and founder David Coverdale has brought back heavy metal. White snake has an armload of songs with Anthem like lyrics, no frills, guitar solos, no frills, guitar solos. (laughs) Um, What's this guy listening to? I think they were all frills, guitar solos. (laughs) Uh, yeah, the the frilliest of the, the frills. Two, those two songs in particular we heard tonight. Yeah, yeah, all frills. Um, a rhythm section carved in granite and a nary a nod to pop crossover. Um, so he says uh, about Coverdale is in fine voice and pulls it off, helping make White Snake everything it strives to be—a complete, unapologetic heavy metal record. So new blue gusting mm. screecher Rooney's there. I don't know. I no, I would consider even with the heavy guitars. I don't know if I would consider it really a heavy metal record. I consider no. it more poppy. Yeah, for more sure. More of a pop metal record overall. 
the Pittsburgh Press. Uh, White Snake plays heavy metal with more melody and musicality than most such outfits. That was obvious on Slide It In almost three years ago and is just as true on White Snake. Um, David Coverdale has never sounded better. John Sykes has progressed from competent to at times shining. Competent? You were going to just refer to him as competent before? I mean, he's uh, clearly more than that. Um, he says, indeed, much of White Snake would be good in concert. It's got those musical assets for listeners and power enough for most devoted headbanger. It's well above average for a heavy metal album. Uh, the Tampa Bay Tri- Tribune um, uh, says, here's the best Led Zeppelin album in years. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch the YouTube video just for John's reactions every time I mention Led Zeppelin. Um, so they refer to David Coverdale's X Purple and Ainsley Dunbar's X Mothers of Invention, which I feel is kind of odd at this point because he had such a career. But I mean, he was, you know, he played with Frank Zappa. So there you go. Um, the end with, uh, and that, of course, is the problem. If Led Zeppelin record- records were hard to find, there might be a need for White Snake, but any decent record store will have a full complement of classic Zeppelin albums. So, what's the point? Best track, still of the night. So, I mean, again, I don't see this whole album being a Zeppelin. Obvious comparisons and still of the night, but I don't hear it on any other track. It's not like, well, you don't need to buy. If you have Led Zeppelin 4, you don't need White Snake's album. It's pretty much the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> It's just as it's just, they both have kind of grayish covers. E- you'll be fine. <laughs> Either or they're, uh, they're, in, they're, they're not discernible. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell any differences. Can you? Um, and what else we got here? Uh, Circus Magazine, after a four-year wait to follow up Platinum <clears throat> Slide It In, not quite four years, but uh, the band may have lost any momentum gained, but Whitesnake have come screeching back with a surefire smash of an LP. After losing John Lord and Ian Pace to Reunited Purple, the Snake have shifted directions slightly towards a more modern-day Zeppelin blues metal sound. <laughs> uh, but they end oh. it with uh, uh, Whitesnake has come back stronger than ever. John's going to need some leave <laughs> after this. He's rubbing his he's rubbing the bridge of his nose. Ugh, I'm furrowing my brow. <laughs> Stop it. Hopefully you're not. Out of, does Tylenol upset your stomach? Maybe you just take Tylenol. No, it doesn't. I, but I, I think all I have is a leave. So I'm, I threw everything else away. And John's going to make impulsive... a late night run to the to the pharmacy <laughs> after this. Um, I'll just put an ice pack on my head. <laughs> yes. After um, the episode. There's a lot of talk in these articles, too, about them opening for Motley Crue, which is kind of funny to think of Whitesnake opening for Motley Crue. But I guess a um, lot of this tour, they were that's what they were yeah. doing. Um, yeah, there's, a, is. there's a ton. York sent me, I mean, hundreds of articles about the live shows and stuff. Really interesting stuff. Um, so here we go. Rolling Stone. This is the one you're waiting for. Originality is not an essential virtue in heavy metal circles. Even so, few heavy metal acts have ever delivered anything as unblushingly derivative as Whitesnake. You'd think the album was some sort of uh, perverse research project. From the epic crunch of Crying in the Rain through the brisk synth-spiked pomp of Straight for the Heart to the hyper-strummed overdrive of Children of the Night, the group spits back every worthwhile mannerism and lick in the heavy rock vocabulary. In fact, a few tunes, the Scorpion-style rocker Bad Boys and the Foreigner-like ballad Is This Love offer such dead-accurate impressions, it's hard not to wonder if singer David Coverdale didn't pick the wrong reptile in naming his group. After all, wouldn't it make more sense to call this group Chameleon? Oh, I saw that one coming from a mile away. <laughs> I, know, I saw it coming and I, and I still couldn't get out of the way. 
Coverdale and company hit their stride with Still of the Night, a full-blown Zepparama that finds the singer unleashing his best Robert Plant howl as the arrangement apes the stop-time guitar of Black Dog, the monolithic strutter of Cashmere, and the spacey bridge from Whole Lot of Love. That's just in the first couple of minutes! What makes it such a guilty pleasure, though, is that Coverdale isn't simply stealing licks. He and guitarist John Sykes understand the structure, pacing, and drama of the old Led Zeppelin sound and deserve credit for concocting such a convincing simulacrum. Sorry. What do you think about that simulacrum, John? Um, I feel like, hey, let's use a big $5 word. Let's throw the word simulacrum in there. Mm, Yeah, I dare you to use simulacrum in a sentence. (laughs) I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to work it in there and I'll buy you lunch for a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you can Aye. get this past the editors, more power to you. Still, mm. Whitesnake's most inspired move was to bring in Dutch guitar hotshot Adrian Vandenberg to augment Sykes. Vandenberg is a speed demon in the Eddie Van Halen mold and his buzz bombing solos add a modern veneer to Sykes' stolid workmanlike foundation. But because Vandenberg is only a guest here, his fretboard flash is kept to a minimum. The focus remains on the songs, not the solos. All in all, Whitesnake is a shamelessly alluring, coming at the listener with hook after eerily familiar hook. Never mind that there's more lyrical content in most Pepsi commercials. Whitesnake does what it sets out to do. It delivers the goods. What more could a metalhead want? So, of course, even for a positive review, Rolling Stone has to shit on you for 90% of it. It's just what they yeah. do. You you know, there's like an editor in charge of that. Like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold up. I'm reading this. Re- this review just came across my desk here and I can't help but notice, even though you enjoyed the album, this most of it's positive. You got to shit on them. From, so the first paragraph, you set it up. Then you shit on them for three, four paragraphs. Then you end it by being like, ah, it's pretty good. Stop the presses. Yeah, that's the that's the white snake or white snake. That's the Rolling Stone model. Mm. I mean, man, I don't get it with the like saying it's so derivative. I mean, like I get this. I get the still of the night thing. But to say like this whole album is regurgitated, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I mean, this is just what this is what production sounded like. Then the songwriting doesn't sound to me. And this is still Coverdale songwriting. It's not. Right. And and again, I think a lot of these people are hearing Coverdale for the first time and not really being able to put it in context of what came before it. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, I mean, if they're they're talking about a genre of music, too, where they're just like, yeah, the genre of music where everybody's a copycat. It's like, all right, well, what are you shitting on them for if everybody copies? Come on. Yeah. Right. Give me a break. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So a few more. Um, Let's see here. Vocalist Coverdale back in high gear. This is the Battle Creek Inquirer. Um, so it's more of just kind of an overview and so much as a definite article. Um, this this is a longer one from Anderson Herald Bulletin. Pop metal stages noisy comeback. Um, and then what else? Noisy. <laughs> this one is entitled Chip and Coverdale. Why? Why would you do that? Is it anything like Chicky and Pete? No, it's like Chip and Dale, you know, like the freaking chipmunks. No. Oh. Why would you say Chip and Coverdale? Like, that's a stretch. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like. I don't I don't get it. So I'm not even going to read this one. <laughs> There's only a couple left anyway. Um, 
White Snake Forge's top rock, rock album of the year, The War Whoop. Um, it says on this well-crafted album, White Snake combines previously used hooks, riffs, and lyrics and makes them work. Um, the Cedar Rapids, the Cedar Rapids Co Cosmos. Why we're getting into some obscure publications here. <laughs> the snake is finally out of the bag. The venomous fangs of the ferocious beast called White Snake are sinking deeper and deeper into the flesh of the states. With the release of the band's newest album, simply entitled White Snake, they are rapidly slithering up the charts and sliding in some snake bite whenever a provocative neck presents itself. They just can't they can't stop with the, the snake references. Oh, my God. Uh, would you say that John Sykes knows a lot of scales on the guitar? Do snakes have scales? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It would work. Yeah, they, it no, would work they, better for these purposes if they I also don't think they I don't know. Whatever. Hey, oh, I'll give it a hail anyway. So it ends with White, White Snake is rising to immortal and legendary status faster than the Fat Boys sink. <laughs> I oh dig at the God. Fat Boys for no reason. At this very wow. moment, a coil is unfurling and fangs are ready to strike. <laughs> so grab yourself a chunk of class and regality in this album because you know a little snake bite don't do nobody harm. That's like, I don't know that that's true. Oh boy! They just couldn't stop. They couldn't help themselves. I mean, that's in their in fairness, it's just kind of the opening paragraph and the last paragraph. But um, it's like I get it. They're new. This is the goofy cartoon from Kerrang called Pandora Peroxide. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. There was another one too where like uh, this this one's co- comparing like um, David Lee Roth, Coverdale. Um, anthrax what seems to be a composite of all the anthrax guys into one guy okay <laughs> um, I don't really um, makes Black, no sense. Blackie Lawless with a chainsaw alright none of that makes any sense no it doesn't there's another one that's of a similar one where they, they she takes off Coverdale's pants and he's wearing like American flag boxer shorts <sighs> and she's like oh no say it ain't so because he's sold out to America or whatever and then the final yeah. one is this album review uh, from the Herald. Um, surprisingly enough, the new White Snake album is simply titled White Snake is very good. Though they have gone through many band member changes, White Snake has the last four years proven that they can rock as hard as 70s bands like Led Zeppelin and Bad Company. Um, it ends with overall, I feel White Snake is a very good band, although they may not appeal to a large population on this campus. I think it was the album. Uh, uh, worthy of the time I spent on it. Sorry. the print is a little smeared there um so there you go that's from like a campus newspaper so there you have it mm. white snake some some many many ads and i'll have links to all those in the show notes if you want to read more and more but we're going way on so we have to close it out and by thanking of course our foundation level patrons which we do all the time at this time of the show i gotta gear up i gotta do my i gotta do my foundation level stretches <clears throat> Okay, at the $3, the aromatic feed tier. I'm sorry, three-pound aromatic feed tier. Uh, Didn't do the translation correctly. Uh, Simon Ford at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier. Raph Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, and Spike's Mom. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Gardot. Mark, I'm I'm sorry, Ian DeRosier. Mark Roback. Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rap Bat Blue Light, 
Ivan Fjeldbu. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard, Ruinous Inadequacies, and our patron upgrade, John Maselli. I got a feeling about this season, pennant fever. He just he does play baseball. We know that. Um, and then, of course, at the one dollar and seventy one cent, I want my own tier tier. Rich, young, we, Shayla. Sounds like a computer or something. <laughs> he does. Sounds like a robot reading it. At the ten kroner tier, Karsten Lau. And at the, what I've just renamed the dollar and pound made up name tier, because we've got some pounds in there too. So if you do a dollar or you do a pound, you're going into the made up name tier. We've got the uh, Don't Drip Away Leaky Mausoleum, or the le- or was it the Lakeside Mausoleum we saw today? It's got some. <laughs> yeah. The Lakeside Mausoleum. Um, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 199 fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel. <laughs> Blackmore Tights. Sorry, I love the light there. <laughs> and Lord Longford, thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. Oh, we are not hearing John Maselli at the end. I know, right? Yeah, to close yeah. it out. Now he's closing out the three dollar tier. I feel like you should still just we should have him be like the honorary the honorary closer. <laughs> so we can end with a yeah. I don't know. It works. It works. I just got to figure out how to better arrange my 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 uh, triggers here. It's getting yeah. this is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rich Ingve Shaler. <laughs> Young Wee. I love how hesitant he is. Listen to this. Rich. Young Wee. Shaler. He's so rich. Young Wee. <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture him with his glasses down around his nose, like re- reading this off of <laughs> your computer. He's reading it, but I think he's trying to process what the hell it means at the same time. Or who is? Yeah, who, no, you know who is it? You know what he's thinking? What? Who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> that is what he's thinking. Exactly. That's the first and foremost thing on his mind. Uh Oh man. Well, it is late, my friend. We had a, yeah. Had a big episode. And I get once again, so I'm I'm glad we we split this into two episodes. Oh God, it would have been a friggin' four and a half hour episode. <laughs> just He's, one of them. I know, yeah, most albums of this length wouldn't need to be, but there's just too much going on in this album, too much to talk about. So, mm. and thank you. Hey, if you stuck it out through both episodes, thank mm. you for doing so, and thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate you for for listening, and we will be back at you next week, as always, with another. A smoking hot episode of the Deep Purple more Podcast. Stuff. With more, more stuff. stuff. Not Morse stuff, but more stuff. Maybe more stuff. You never know. We're in that era in Deep Purple now, so could be anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. But you know, maybe we'll play something so obscure next week that you'll you'll hear it and you'll think Who the hell is that? <laughs> Alright, John. Well, All right. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Later. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. And I came across this, this email from ED Solution. Like, oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> I'm following. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, this it's, would be It's not somebody's for... name. Hi, ED Solution. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? I'm not doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing so good. As my name may uh, slew you into. You better get the best Consolation. I see their father. I kind of think that I'm choosing me. Daddy, you've got to get the very best for me. Oh, Daddy. Uh, hey, baby. What do you say after the show? You and me go, uh, step 